Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As we finish up our sermon series, we will look today at God's view of eternity. And as we look at that view of eternity, it reminds us again of the truth that God wants all people to be saved. And as we take a look at these verses from Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 and 10, let's dig into those verses to see what truly is God's view of what heaven is going to be like. Here's how John see it. Here's how he sees it in Revelation 7. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This is the word of our God. Have you ever had one of those situations in life where you just wanted a few more details? You wanted someone to fill you in a little bit more because you had a job that you needed to complete and there just didn't seem to be enough information or you had someone who wanted you to do something for them but the details were a little sparse. Felt like I had this experience just a couple of months ago as we moved my son into his new apartment and we went to Ikea. Some of you are familiar with Ikea. We purchased him this eight-drawer dresser, only it comes completely unassembled. We brought the boxes home and there were three flat boxes. We unpacked them and laid all the stuff on the floor and I looked at it and I thought, no way. So many pieces, so much hardware, and so little direction. One little booklet, no words, just pictures. I thought, there's just no way this is ever going to happen. Well, here's the good news. We only made one mistake that we had to go back and undo and restart, but five and a half hours later, we were finished putting his dresser together. Yes, I know some of you are out there going, five and a half hours, do you even know how to use a screwdriver? I do, but not very well. So I know some of you could have done it much faster. Here's the lesson that I learned. Maybe it's best to just ask somebody who really knows what they're doing to put it together for you. But as I was thinking about this today, I, I thought to myself, don't we feel that way sometimes about God's word? That maybe if there were just a few more details, it would be better? Or, or maybe specifically, don't we think that way sometimes about heaven? God, everything that you say in the Bible is, is general. We, I'd like to have some more specifics. What heaven is, what is exactly going to be like? What are we going to do there? What does it mean to be somewhere for eternity? And I can tell you today that I'm not here to provide those answers for you because God's word does not provide all of those answers. But there are things that God does tell us in his word that certainly give us a picture, certainly bring an image to us of how great heaven is going to be. And today on the basis of these two verses from Revelation chapter 7, let's talk about that truth, God's vision of heaven. And here's what God sees when he thinks about what heaven is going to be like. First of all, it's a glorious group of people. But then the second point that we'd like to talk about today is that glorious group of people is united, completely united in praise to the Lamb who carried out our salvation. Maybe some of you have picked up your Bible and thought, people talk about Revelation, that seems pretty interesting. Maybe I'll read through Revelation. And then as you read through Revelation, you wondered what in the world you were reading. Right? The book of Revelation has, for centuries, both fascinated and concerned Christians as they, read, as they read through that book. 
It is a series, the book of Revelation, a series of seven visions that God gave to the Apostle John. And in those seven visions, John sees a lot of concerning things, things that are even frightening for God's people as the end of days approaches. But then as, as God tells us about these things are going to happen, he also puts into these visions that John sees pictures of comfort and eternity. And in the end, the book of Revelation teaches one truth that can be summarized in two words. Jesus wins. As God's people, you and I can face the future with confidence because the victory of Jesus is already a reality. He already defeated sin and Satan and death. And because of that, we look forward to the joy that will be ours forever in heaven. These two verses are part of the second vision that John had of his seven visions. In this vision, John saw a scroll. And on that scroll, he saw seven seals that were holding the scroll closed. And as John laments that the, seal, that the seals could not be opened, that the scroll was closed, he recognizes that there's only one person who was worthy of opening that scroll, taking off the seals, and that was Jesus himself. And as those seals are opened, and if you want to go back and read about this, it's in chapter 6 and the first part of chapter 7. Seal after seal is opened and they open on some of the troubles that we will face in this life. Wars and rumors of wars, famines, earthquakes, pestilence, death, all of the things that make this life difficult. And yet in the midst of this, as the sixth seal is opened, God gives John this beautiful vision of heaven and what it's going to be like. And he simply, John just simply reports this. In heaven, there's going to be a multitude that no one can count. I don't know about you, but that phrase seems so beautiful to me. It's not just going to be me and a couple of people. It's a multitude. A multitude of people that simply can't be counted. We are going to join a throng of people that praise our Lord forever in heaven. And then there's something special about that multitude in heaven too, isn't there? Did you hear John's description? From every tribe, nation, people, and language. Every single tribe, nation, people that are going to be represented by God in heaven. The things that divide us, the things that cause problems in this life, in heaven, those will all be gone. This was always God's vision for what heaven was going to be like. We read it earlier in Isaiah 66 as, as God promised that the ends of the earth were going to hear about the salvation of our God. But even think to God's promise to Abraham. He told Abraham that he would be the father of many nations. And that was true from a physical standpoint. Abraham's descendants became many nations, but even more, it's true from a spiritual standpoint. The Bible calls Abraham the father of all believers. And in heaven, God's vision of what was going to, is what's going to be there will be a reality. Every tribe, nation, people, and language will be represented in heaven. Again, God means for this picture to bring comfort to you, to bring comfort to me, because we're part of that description. Every tribe, nation, language, and people. God's reminding us today of how inclusive his grace is. That when Jesus came to this world to suffer and die, his payment for sin was good for the sins of every person who has ever lived, every person who's living right now, and every person who will ever live. Sins have been paid in full by Jesus on that cross. 
You remember Jesus himself said this? That famous passage that Jesus spoke to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That includes all people. And then Jesus goes on that whoever, anyone, everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. That picture of a multitude in heaven, of every tribe, nation, language, and people brings comfort to you and me because we know we're part of it. We know we, know we are those people that God sent Jesus to come into this world and save. What joy we have to look ahead to that existence that will be with our Savior forever. Have you had a situation in your life where you struggle to figure out what exactly you should wear? Maybe you were headed to uh, some formal gathering, maybe a wedding or something like that, and you just weren't quite sure what kind of clothes you should put on. Now, at the risk of being a little over-stereotypical, I believe that most of the guys in here will agree with me that we have it pretty easy, right? Most of the time, we can just throw on a pair of pants, maybe a nice shirt. We really have to dress up. We might have to tie a tie and put on a jacket, right? But for the most part, we have it pretty easy. Not so much for the ladies in here, right? The choice of what to wear is agonizing at times. We just have to get it right. And I have two daughters and a wife that are from my home. And I'm not saying that it's ever looked like this in my home, but maybe some of you can relate to the picture on the screen. All right, it's time to figure out what to wear and we just have to lay everything out and make sure that the exact right thing is matched up, even with the shoes at the foot of the bed, right? I have good news today from John's vision. When we get to heaven, you don't have to worry about what to wear. There's not going to be a decision about what we need to put on because John describes it so well. We will be wearing white robes. Isn't that a great picture? the white robes of Jesus' righteousness that you and I will be wearing, the fact that God sees us as holy and righteous because we're covered in the blessings that Jesus won for us by his perfect life and his death on the cross. See how that makes everyone the same? In heaven, nothing that separates us in this life will be there. Everything will be the same because we'll all look holy and righteous in God's sight. And there in heaven, there's a second picture. We'll be holding palm branches, John says, he sees in his vision, that symbol of victory. We will be celebrating for eternity what God accomplished for us. Our praise will resound. It will echo through all eternity. And what will we be doing? What will we be praising? Well, the truth is the answer is both a what and a who. The what we will be praising is our salvation. There in heaven, we will be experiencing in full everything that is the opposite of the troubles and the trials of this life. Salvation belongs to our God, we will praise. But then there's also a who connected to that, isn't there? All credit for that salvation will go to its source, to God and to the Lamb who sits on the throne. To Jesus who sacrificed himself for us will be unending praise forever. What a beautiful picture John paints for the church. What a beautiful picture for each of us John is painting. Made me go back to the question that I thought about at the start of the sermon. What is heaven going to be like? What, what kind of details could God provide for us? And, 
And I remember thinking to myself, especially when I was younger, if we're going to be praising God for eternity, does that mean that heaven is going to be like one eternal church service? Is it just going to be church forever in heaven? You see why we have issues with that? Why we struggle with that? We struggle with that because our earthbound ideas, our ideas of this life are all tainted by and clouded by sin. And so we think of, oh, I don't know if I could listen to a pastor preach for a whole eternity. That seems like it would get a little boring. Or maybe the music can't be that good forever, right? But those are not, that's not the way heaven is going to be. The passage of time is not something that we'll even mark. I've heard sermons, and maybe you've heard sermons uh, in funerals like this too, where, where someone will say at a, at, a, at a funeral or either in the sermon or at, at, the, uh, at, at the gathering afterwards, well, they, uncle so-and-so is now fishing in that great lake in the sky. Or I've heard somebody say, oh, they're shopping at the mega mall in heaven. Right? And, and you understand why people do that. We don't know if those things are going to be present in heaven, but, but taking something from earth that we know and enjoy and then projecting that into what heaven is going to be like is our effort to explain at least a little bit the joy that we'll experience when we're away from this life and in our eternity. You want to see how earthbound our thoughts are? Have you ever thought in these terms? Have you ever thought in terms of, yeah, I really want to get to heaven, I want to be there, I know that that's my goal of life, but, but maybe it would be okay if God kept me on earth just a little bit longer so I get to graduate, so I get to get married someday, maybe have children, maybe grandchildren someday, right? We can always do that, right? Think about things that we need to enjoy on, in this life. Well, in heaven, none of those things will matter. Think about this. These descriptions that we have of heaven provide for us the idea that our worries, all of our anxieties, all of our aches, and all of our pains, that they'll melt away. When we're in heaven, those things are completely gone. In heaven, there will be no tears, Twice in the seven visions that God gives to John, he uses that phrase that God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Just think about that for a moment. Nothing, nothing in eternity will ever make you sad. Nothing in eternity will make you wish that you were somewhere else. It will be consistent and constant joy. Take it one step further. The Bible tells us that in heaven there will be no death. The thing that we dread, the thing that we fear, as we think about COVID and cancer and all the things in this life that give us reason to worry about what's waiting for us at the end of our life in this world, in heaven, those things are not there. They're gone. I'd like you to notice something as you read through the Bible and think about heaven. Descriptions of heaven far more include what's not going to be there than what is going to be there. I find that fascinating because what God is doing is telling us these are the things you can understand. What you have on earth that won't be in heaven, you can understand. But I don't think God could even share with us the kind of joy we'll be experiencing there because it's something completely out of our experience here. But there, this is what we'll have. Listen to these words. This is from the seventh vision that John had in Revelation. Revelation 21, verses 3 to 4. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things 
has passed away. God will be with us and we will be with God in the joy of eternity. Some takeaways from the sermon today. Question, or first, number one, because Jesus died for everyone, heaven will be filled with a diverse group. What a beautiful picture. Every tribe, language, nation, and people, and the things that, that cause divisions and troubles and problems in this life, they'll be gone. Number two, we all wear robes of Jesus' righteousness through faith in him. You're all children of God, the Apostle Paul wrote to the Galatians. By faith in Christ Jesus, all of you who have been baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. And then finally, number three, all believers will be united in praise forever to the one who saved us. Every tribe, language, nation, and people, this glorious band united to praise the Lamb who sacrificed himself for us. In the great love chapter of the Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the Apostle Paul concludes that chapter with these words, Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. A lot has been written about what Paul could have meant by saying the greatest of these is love. This is the explanation I actually like the most. Some have offered that Paul said the greatest is love because it's the one thing of those three that will last through all eternity. That our faith and our hope are more for this life, but love will be forever. Pretty cool thought. Because in heaven, that's what we're going to experience. We're going to experience in full God's love for us forever. And then you think about that love that God has for you and me to win for us that kind of eternity, and that's love that he has for everyone. That gives us every reason to strive to love others as God does. Strive to love all people as souls for whom Jesus died. And as we live lives of love here, and the troubles and the trials of life come, remember that there's a place waiting for us that's free from all of those trials. As we wrap up this idea of, of how we're all the same in God's eyes, God's vision of heaven today, I want to share just a real brief video with you. It's a, a video that went viral earlier this summer. And I, I see these things from time to time and I, I wonder if God is just giving us a little picture, a little picture of the joy of heaven. Maybe you've seen this video before. It's about 30 seconds long. Let's take a look. Perfect harmony, perfect joy, perfect peace, and perfect love. That's God's vision of heaven. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.